everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. And this tune is called Wonderful. So I thought it would be a good tune to start off my Wonderful Women Wednesday. Sit back as we celebrate a wonderful woman. Here we go. And enjoy the episode. Those who know me know I have a very high volume voice. And so what I'm going to do today before I even start the episode is explain to you. I'm trying to learn not to talk so loud. I have all these professional microphones and I have filters and everything on them. But I'm still loud, and sometimes, even with the filters, I'm sounding a little muffled. So this episode, I'm going to try to be a little more, um, less vocally uh, loud. I mean, anyone that knows me know I don't even know how to whisper, because the volume of my voice is loud. And with the microphones, it seems like I'm shouting, even when I'm not. So this episode, I'm going to try to be a little less loud. And I'm just working on it. I keep getting better equipment, still learning how to do the engineering on it. But I just wanted to mention that if you notice that my tone is different in this episode. On Wonderful Women Wednesday, one of the things I like to do is celebrate and highlight wonderful women. And today we have a woman who is very historical. She is the very first female president of the New York Stock Exchange. Her name is Stacy Cunningham. But before I talk about her, I want to I want you guys to listen to something she said regarding the American dream. The American dream is not only about being able to start a business and earn a living. It's about sharing that success too. It's a story of shared success. And every day here we see companies coming in changing the world and allowing investors to dream alongside them. Financial literacy is such an important part of that, so investors know how to take advantage of the opportunities that are out there for them. Now, as you guys know, I'm a queen for finding video, and I want you guys to listen to the video that CNBC did with Stacey as soon as she got elected president, and then I am going to read a lot of what they're saying, but sometimes when you're handed in the interview, you may miss something. So I always get it in writing so I can read it to the listeners. But this is the very first interview of Stacy on CNBC. And I just want to always play people in their own words. So check it out. New York Stock Exchange has a new president. Stacey Cunningham will be the first female leader of the exchange in its 226-year history. Joining us now in a CNBC exclusive uh, is the NYSE's incoming president, Stacey Cunningham, along with our own Bob Bassani and Post 9. Stacey, welcome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's an amazing story. Like, summer intern, 94? Yes, it seems like a really long time ago, <laughs> but, but that's true. Floor clerk. Uh, eventually a specialist. Yes. I think I saw you made a market in Hershey's and some other names. I did. So you know the floor well. I do. I do. It's home. I kind of grew up down here, cut my teeth. And, and now you're and now you're going to run this. Yeah, it's a full circle story for me. 
What, what to you is important right now as you as you take this next chapter forward for the, the exchange? I think it's important to me that we, we continue to maintain the same goal and mission that we've had for the past 226 years. And that's helping great companies raise capital, helping investors find opportunities so they can plan for their future. And that's our goal. It looks different. It's evolved. We've done a lot. Uh, we've done that in different ways over a long period of time. When you look at asset classes that have evolved and, and new types of listings, but it's the same mission that, that underpins everything we do. You compete fiercely with NASDAQ for listings. That's a long yes. and respected rivalry between the two of you. But I want to make a comment on the IPO business because we're all trying to figure out how to get more companies to go public. They're locked up, many of the unicorns locked up uh, in private equity. We'd like to see more of them go public. I know the NYSE would. Well, what are your thoughts on getting people, yeah. getting people more interested in listing? Yeah, we absolutely want to see companies continue to access the public markets and have the same level of great success they've had for so for so long. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes down to making sure that we have a regulatory environment that ensures the U.S. continues to be the source uh, of capital for, for large companies. We do have a strong pipeline coming up in June, so I, I wouldn't make it sound too dire. I mean, there are a lot of companies that are planning to access the markets, but we want to make sure we haven't gone too far to a market structure that has created an environment that's good for big companies and big investors. We want to be able to welcome companies of, of sizes or of smaller sizes earlier in their life. But we all know that these companies, these small companies, bitterly complain about the regulatory burden of going public. They simply can't afford the lawyers and the issues involved in doing that. Is there a simpler way to figure out with less burdens to get companies to come public? Yeah, we spent a lot of time down in Washington working with the administration on changes that we think will make sense, uh, whether it be disclosures or other things. So how do we get the right-sized regulation so it's not too burdensome to access public markets? There's a lot of private capital out there, too. I mean, they have options. We want to make sure they see the value of the public markets and they choose to, choose to access that liquidity. Because if they wait too long, it means that the smaller investors aren't getting that benefit of their growth we when that rapid growth. We see this with the unicorns yes, now. Exactly, exactly. So we're, we're very focused on that. It's certainly going to be one of my, my primary goals. Stacey, I wanted to ask you about the rise of electronic trading machines algorithms and what that means. I mean, we always sort of come back to this question, what it means for the floor of the stock exchange. Yeah. But a lot of people here are happy because you were a floor clerk, but just yeah. how has that changed your business? It, it means wonderful things for the floor of the stock exchange. Like any industry, technology has allowed us to scale what we can provide. So the team down here, they're continuing to trade and provide that same level of value they've given to our issuers. For, for centuries, but they're doing it with technology. They're doing it with scale, and, and that's no different than other industries, and it means they can do more in the future. What about new technologies like cryptocurrencies? Are, are we eventually going to see the NYSE participate in some sort of trading platform? The, the, the crypto landscape has evolved so rapidly over just the past year. It's, it's really fascinating. We were an early entry into that space with our small investment in Coinbase, just so that we would have a closeness to it and we could watch it. When we got directly involved, it's been more on the data side. We've worked closely with Blockstream and in providing uh, in, you know, market data around the, the crypto uh, currency. But I think that space is going to continue to evolve. We need to figure out what the right regulatory framework is for it, uh, and we'll, we'll be closely watching it. What are you going to do with Coinbase? Are you going to help them go public? What, 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 what? There's something that's going to happen here with this yeah, investment. I think there's a lot that's there happening. There's a big little yeah. bug in your ear about what's going on in the crypto space. I know they're really help, helping you understand what's going on, what, what's going to yeah, happen Yeah, I mean, I, I think the space is rapidly evolving, and, and we'll see where it goes. You know, I think there's still, there's still a lot to happen there. 40% of the volume 
of all trading in the United States occurs on dark pools still. Mm -hmm. uh, is that a concern of yours? And what can you do to bring more of this trading into what is we call the lit space, the yeah. regular exchange space, NASDAQ, NYS, NYSE mm -hmm. uh, occupies? Yeah, the, the public quote is so important for all those retail investors that are going on and looking at what's the value of a stock. We want to encourage them to want to participate in the markets. So having a lit public quote is, is really important. The markets are more fragmented. That's that's the way the regulatory environment has evolved over the past 10 years. It's not so surprising that you've seen a lot of change uh, with that. We think that the markets operate still better than any other markets in the world. So we don't want to get too crazy with saying things things are broken, but whatever there's room for improvement, we're going to focus on it and we're going to work toward getting the best market structure for issuers and investors. That's who we're here for. It seems like the SEC is quite happy with the current system though, the current somewhat fragmented system system that's out there, they have said before, it seems to be working okay. Are you happy with the way the current market structure exists? Is there too many exchanges? Is there too many dark pools? Do you disagree? I think I think the level of fragmentation has gone too far. And you could say, hey, you guys operate a number of exchanges. How could you say that? But, but I think that that level of fragmentation has just gone a little bit too far, and we could swing the pendulum back a little bit. Some of the proposals that the SEC has put out, we're in favor of uh, driving some change. We've been lobbying for it since 2014 when ICE came into this business and talked about the equity markets and the complexity there. How could we, how could we help simplify the market so investors understand them? So we are supportive of change. We just want to make sure that the issuer voice is part of that change. Now, there was the whole interview is 11 minutes. So I don't want to bore you with it, especially if you know nothing about the stock exchange. But I just wanted to play part of that because this interview was done several years ago. Um, two years ago, it says, and I pulled it off of uh, a video search I did on Yahoo. And the thing is, this interview with CNBC, she meaning Stacey Cunningham, is talking about the future of the market. And as you heard in her own words, they're trying to make it simpler so that people can understand it. Because I personally, um, I have always had 401k. So, you know, when you have those, your companies or organizations kind of help you out. And so as far as that part of the uh, stock exchange, I let Fidelity handle that, but I wanted to learn a little bit myself because I do have friends in New York who work in the industry and they're always for years and years been telling me, invest, you don't need a lot of money to invest. They would send me tips and I just would not listen and I am not going to lie, so much money could have been made. And as I mentioned before, you don't have to have a lot of money. But I want people to start thinking about this. And I know I will continue to say how much I know that the industry is not on a lot of people's minds because they're just trying to get money to survive. So I need to say that because I'm not insensitive to that. I'm just giving information. And for those who are in a situation where they're wanting to invest their money or don't know how and want to make it simple, I wanted to do this episode, and this woman is amazing. She's talking about stuff that I don't know anything about, but do your research because I'm, I'm going to do my research on what's called dark pools. But those who are interested in that, um, definitely do some research. But the reason why I also wanted to play this, because as I mentioned, this is several years old, but if you listen to something that she's talking about, then is very relevant right now and that's that cryptocurrency 
Now, I always watch like different channels, uh, Bloomberg channel where they have the stock and how much things are that day going across the bottom of the screen. And there's other channels as well. Um, but I even watch like, I think it's called Squawk Hawk or something like that on CNBC. And I was watching how technology just keeps being part of this and cryptocurrency is like it's ridiculous. I think its stock is higher than Amazon's. If uh, yesterday when I looked, don't quote me, but I think that's what I saw, and I was like, "Wow!" And she's talking about cryptocurrency over two years ago. So you know, these are things that you can learn on your own. And I always keep talking about stuff like the STEM program and those who are graduating at different levels but still in school, maybe considering the STEM. Uh, program because she talks about technology and algorithms and you know think about what she's saying this stuff for some reason is always full circle when it comes to the future and our young people I just continuously say how proud I am of you and I wish I could start all over with the technology part because when I was in school and I'll talk about high school specifically this is when technology started becoming really big when we start getting electronic things and um it, it you know at my high school actually which i want to give a shout out to in pittsburgh westinghouse high school we had we were actually they this is when they had what was called magnet programs magnet programs were teaching different schools different skills and westinghouse high school in homewood was the magnet school for business and so we had amazing business teachers. Shout out and rest in peace, Miss Gloria Harper, who was our like liaison and teaching us just basic technology and word processing. And you know, the Videc was my thing, but I'm I, I digress. But my point is, technology and all that is still tied into what's called the stock market. And so this woman is just historic, and I just want to kind of read some of the things that she was just talking about. But I want to start back into 1994 as they started talking about. In 1994, while still a university student, she completed a summer internship at the New York Stock Exchange. Two years later, she began working there as a trading floor clerk. At the time, she was one of the few dozen female employees on the trading floor, compared to over a thousand. Listen to that. She was one of a few dozen. That's probably that's less than a hundred, I'm sure. A few dozen, probably about what, 24, 36? That's three dozen right there. But you're talking about over a thousand male employees. So she spent eight years employed as a specialist for the Bank of America. It's so funny about these words they use because I always tell people about, you know, specialists and analysts are so different now in industries. And I've been I've been one and want to be another one and actually got approved to be one. And I like how now they're using the term so people understand. People used to give titles to specialists and analysts kind of not as important as management and stuff but actually now especially when you're talking about stock and in and, and technology and, and in my case legal these are people who are 
at the top of their game, not just knowing the skills, having the paperwork, having the experience, and having, most importantly, the personality to make the, the clients understand what they're talking about. So I just need to point that out when I say that because I've heard people say in the past, specialist and analyst, that's not as big as and actually it is. So she what she spent eight years employed as a specialist for the Bank of America. In 2005, says she was feeling frustrated with the lack of technological transition. See, see how that technology is 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 a big thing right now. Feeling frustrated with the lack of technological transition at the New York Stock Exchange, she left the exchange and studied at the Institute of Culinary Education, working briefly as a chef at a restaurant. Now, see, the thing that's so important to me about her bios, now look at all that she had already accomplished from 1994 all the way to... 2005 but frustrated keep in mind she was only one of a few dozen female employees on the trading floor she frustrating about the technology and how it's still the old way because right now technology and in the future technology i'm just gonna keep saying it and she got so frustrated she done went to school and became a chef check that out at a restaurant but it's okay because she knew what her love was and sometimes we have to and that's why I want to celebrate her as a wonderful woman because we have to sometimes kind of speak up and explain why we're speaking up. I mean we can't just speak up and be talking. We have to give a definition and usually proof of why we feel change needs to happen and I think at that point she just was like forget it. I'm just going to be a chef. But she knew what her love was, and obviously she was good at it because from 2007 to 2011, she worked at the NASDAQ Stock Exchange. First, she was a director of capital markets, and then she was the head of sales for the United States Transaction Services. She then rejoined the New York Stock Exchange in 2012. She served as its chief operating officer from 2015 to 2018. Now, her job involved handling the exchange's cash, equities, markets, relationship, and product management, and the internal governance services. So, the historical day was May 22, 2018, at the age of 43. She was named the 67th president of the New York Stock Exchange. Now, as you heard them talking about it, this has been an existing company for 226 years. So it took 226 years to get the first female president of the New York Stock Exchange. Wow. You know, that's big because, you know, when you can do something with what we call breaking the glass ceiling, that's one thing. But you're talking about literally, not decades, you're talking about centuries, 226 years. That's centuries. So you want to talk about decades, yeah, 22 decades. (laughs) That is so amazing. That's why when I saw her talking, I said, I want to do some research on her. You know, in November of 2018, she was listed as one of BBC's 100 women. 
she's just phenomena and you know she said that since the moment she stepped onto the trading floor of the new york stock exchange has always held a special place in her heart and she said she was humbled and honored to have the opportunity to lead the organization but i want to talk about some of her quotes because i think her quotes are so fun but before i read some quotes that i pointed out here are six things to know about her and her career before and during her time on the New York Stock Exchange trading floor. Number one, it all started with a summer internship. That's one of the things that I said, but I want to read because this is a category that I actually found, so I'm going to read it just as it is. Cunningham was studying industrial engineering at Lehigh University when she became a summer intern at the Stock Exchange in 1994. Number two, from the trading floor to culinary school. About a decade into her career, Cunningham took off, excuse me, took time off to enroll in Manhattan's Institute of Culinary Education, where she also worked for six weeks in a restaurant kitchen. Ain't that funny? Number three, she then returned to Wall Street with NASDAQ. After her time after away from the trading world, Cunningham joined NASDAQ for three years before returning to the New York Stock Exchange in 2012. Y'all can look up NASDAQ. That's the stock uh, housing thing as well. You can look NASDAQ up if you're curious about it. Number four, she was inspired by Merle Siebert. Now, I didn't know who Merle Siebert was, but I, um, you guys can check her out. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what Stacy says. But under number four, where it says she was inspired by Merle Siebert, it says Cunningham has pointed to her, Siebert, the first woman to own a seat on the New York Stock Exchange in 1967 as a strong inspiration for her own career. Now listen to some quotes she says about it. This is from Stacy Cunningham. It took 175 years for the first woman to become a member of the New York Stock Exchange. Merle Siebert didn't have an easy path, but she was ambitious and it was fantastic. When she was faced with obstacles, she put her head down. She was quoted as saying, I put my head down and excuse me, and charge. That was her DNA. So she fought for it. And ultimately, she prevailed. It was December 28, 1967, when the ratio of men to women members of the New York Stock Exchange became 1,000, wow, 1,365 men to one woman. Ain't that crazy? Wow. Now, this was something she had mentioned in a speech where she was doing, um, she was at a Tory Burch Embrace Ambition Summit. Mm. She goes on, this is Stacy quoting, I started my career on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange almost 25 years ago, and it never occurred to me for a moment that perhaps that wasn't an opportunity available to me as a woman, she continued. I did, excuse me, <clears throat> I didn't know about it, and it's in large part because Merle had already done that work. I didn't wonder whether or not I belonged. Merle Siebert may or may not 
have been thinking about anyone else at the time. But anytime you embrace ambition and you redraw the boundaries, you're not just redefining them for yourself. You're defining them for anyone that follows. And I thank her for that. Wow. That's a good. I like that quote for all women listening and men who have daughters, nieces, wives, mothers. Um, as I go on and finish the six things about her, let's go to number five. Two of the world's largest stock exchanges will now be run by women. As Cunningham steps into her new role, she will be joining Adina Friedman, who is currently the president and CEO of NASDAQ. Now, see, I didn't even know that. I'm going to have to look into her as well, because that's definitely a wonderful woman as well. Together, they will be overseeing two of the largest stock exchange in the world in terms of market capitalization. Now, see how powerful that is, ladies? You're talking about two stock is big. Money is everything, especially in this country. And we're the leader of the free world. So think about it. We're influential all over the world. And two of the biggest stock exchange companies are now led by females. That is powerful. Number six, she's a fearless girl fan. At the Tory Burch Embrace Ambition Summit, Cunningham spoke about the importance of diversity on corporate boards and encouraged women and men to fight for progress. She's quoted as saying, Fearless Girl carries a message of the importance of diversity on corporate boards and in senior leadership roles. But she says so much more than that. She then says, while she's currently while she's currently staring down, excuse me, while she's currently staring down that quote, charging bull, fearless girl and charging bull are kindred spirits. They are both symbols of strength and of fearless resilience. They are messages to each and every one of us, men and women, to dig down deep inside to that place where you're not scared, where you don't care about what anyone else has to say, so you can find that spirit to fight for progress. Progress is far too slow. We need to take action and move faster. Now, I have to say amen to that because we are in a situation right now in the world and in America especially where progress is sometimes taking back seats when it shouldn't. So I just want people to start thinking about what they can do to be wonderful. And women, we are in a situation where we've never been in the world or even in America. We are in a being heard position. We're listening. We're making things change. We're making a difference. And people are now interested in seeing what we have to say. So I want you guys to think about that because... This wonderful woman Wednesday. Thanks, Stacy Cunningham. And even though this uh, this this is about Stacy, I cannot help but to at least mention the president and CEO of Nasdaq, Adina Friedman, who I will probably once I come back after the summer do a wonderful woman Wednesday on her after I do my research. So. I just hope that this stock information celebration of Stacey Cunningham will encourage people. And as she mentioned, as she was talking to CNBC, she mentioned technology. So, you know, STEM, 
Think about it. Those who are graduated, those who are going to the next level, consider it. There's probably a lot of money to be made. And those who do not know about the stock market, you can go to companies like E-Trade and I guess Robinhood. And to be honest, I do your research on what fits you. I personally am an E-Trade girl for my own personal stock outside of my business stock. But I know a lot of people use Robinhood. So whatever, I haven't tried it, so I can't say nothing good or bad. But I know the E-Trade is like, to me, stock trading for dummies so that anybody can understand it. You know, it's it's a, it's very easy. And as I mentioned, you got $25. You can buy two shares or something. And sometimes you might can buy three or four, maybe five shares, something that $5 a share. So just think about, you know, some of the money you may waste or don't really need to spend invested, especially if you're a parent and have kids. That could be something you could leave as a legacy for your children because the uh, a lot of people are not as um, tuned into the stock market as they could be. And for my sisters and brothers of all colors, especially the African-American community, I want you guys to at least consider changing what we do as far as investment in uh, legacies for our families because there's just so much out there that I know I didn't know about until I was in the world where I was learning, you know, learning from other people's conversations, not because of my environment, but because I ask questions to the people that are not normally in my personal environment and learn. So I hope this uh, episode was encouraging, enlightening, and informative. Well, guys, this will end this episode, and I hope that the information that you received is inspiring, uplifting, and informative. As I always say, follow us on Twitter at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in advocacy, capital L as in ladies. And you can follow us on many of the podcast apps. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Alexa TuneIn, and of course, my hosting podcast company, Podbean. If you have any questions or subjects you want us to look into, give us a call. We're at 404-855-7723, or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com. And you know my favorite question is, what do you have to say? Thank you for listening.